Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Sorry, I'm very loud. Haunted. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this sounded like a haunted teapot. I gotta get some I gotta get some some grease for the door. There you go. <laughs> um uh, today on the show we are gonna talk about the Matrix Reloaded. That's the second yeah. one, right? That's it. Okay. Matrix, Matrix Reloaded. May. Matrix May continues. Matrix May. It's Matrix. Not, not quite as fun as John Wick June. No. But it exists. Uh, before we get too much into it, I want to remind everybody to find us on social media. So many sequels on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now on YouTube. And if you're watching the video version of this, you've probably already found it. But go ahead and like this video and subscribe for more. We, we've gotten into a pretty good habit of putting out a video version of the show every week. And here and there, we're putting out some other bonus videos that hopefully we will continue. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do with this uh, setup we currently we have been doing. I can't wait to do a trailer reaction when those happen again. I know. I was thinking we should do trailer reactions for uh, each episode, like look up the retro trailer for whatever movie we're watching. Oh, that's a cool idea. Like we could do watch the, the trailer for Revolutions. Revolutions. I like that idea. Let's, uh, let's make an effort to do that. So today, though, like I said, Matrix Reloaded, the second Matrix movie, was released in 2003, so it took them a few years to get around to this one. I don't know if you guys looked into it at all. I don't know if that's because it just took a lot of time or just whatever well, reason. I, so, like, insight? Um, the Wachowskis were, like, really into... When they originally pitched The Matrix, they, they originally pitched it as a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Right. It was originally pitched as a trilogy. Well, when they got approved to do the other movies, when they got approved to do the other movies, they were doing, they were doing these two movies plus a video game. Right. Of the Matrix. Right. Yeah, it, it's called Enter the Matrix. Right. I played that game. And the Matrix actually ties into these movies. The, uh, Enter the Matrix actually ties into these movies. Yeah, I think you play as uh, Niobe. Yeah, you put yeah you played Niobe and you, and you play somebody else, but uh, and and uh, it took a long time just to figure out everything and what they were going to do and how they were going to do it, and they just it was one of those situations where it was like, well, we impl- we intended it to be they originally they were going to release them weeks apart, not months. The apart. game in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it looks like this game you're talking about. Enter the Matrix came out May 2003. So and the Matrix Reloaded came out two day May 13th versus May 15th for the movie. So yeah, they pretty much they did get it released days apart. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So that's a fun fact I didn't know about. Yeah. Um. The movie it's itself, in- though, should have taken more time. On the movie. Yep. Probably. Yep. If this was pitched so, as a trilogy, and this was the idea that they wanted. They should have rethought that. <laughs> should have straight yeah. rethought their whole strategy. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because I, I feel like, uh, I, you know, I don't, th- I don't necessarily hate this movie, but I, I feel like it starts off cool. Like it starts off kind of like what you expect. It starts this, off uh, cool. This big explosion, like you know, she rides the motorcycle, she backflips off it, it's big explosion, big fight, jumping off the building. You know, Neo comes in, he's doing some Superman stuff, and then after like the first. 15, 20 minutes, it just kind of slowly starts to descend into kind of this bloated, 
over dialogue heavy, you know, circular logic. Yeah. Movie. And, yeah. And so you just, you end Agreed. up, you end up, if I feel like a lot of viewers end up waiting for the next action scene after a while, like, you know, I don't fault them for trying to write something that's a little bit more intelligent, a little bit smarter, but it's just too dense, I think, for your average moviegoer. And so they just sit there going, waiting, waiting, waiting for the next exciting thing to happen. I don't think it's dense. I think it's a mess. I think somebody had a dartboard of plot points and they threw a dart and it hit four of them and they went, man, just put them all in there. Let's just put them all in there. You got Agent Smith, who's now back and able to copy himself, which doesn't get enough plot point. Um, You've got the whole Zion being attacked, which doesn't get a whole... I mean, that gets a brunt of the plot point. But this movie feels like a completely different one because we talked about how smart the first one was. This is not smart. This is not a smartly written movie. This is a sloppy mess, and it's it's a real kick in the face to the first one. I mean, I wrote down here that they basically created a whole Jerry Springer plot point with a weird love triangle between Morpheus and Locke and Niobe. Um, you've got some kid who's follow, following around Neo who just came out of nowhere acting like yeah. Ed. Um, it, it's just, um, it's just, it doesn't, and then there's that whole weird dance scene. Yeah, it took a while. I, the whole, the whole movie is different. Is they don't seem connected at all in any way, shape, or form, other than the same characters are there. This is a bad movie. Uh, yeah. So, I will say when it, I saw this, whenever it first came out on May fifteenth of two thousand three. You don't have to recite the date. We get it. You know <laughs> dates for some weird reason. I'm yeah. just saying. I, you I, understand? I, I was just looking it up before we before we came on here. But anyway, right. like. Like it was, I remember being blown away by it, and then uh, this one, it, initially, initially, yeah. When you're, you know, when you're 13 years old, this is pretty mind blowing stuff. Well, Andrew was 42. <laughs> <laughs> we were 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it was. I mean, it was good by some standards. Uh, there were definitely some things where it was like, there, uh, like the effects were bad. Looking at it now, it definitely has not aged well, like at all. And yeah, I agree with Garrett. Um, it, de- it it should have been they should have waited on this. They should have waited on this and just maybe rethought it, maybe rewrote it, and produced got, given us a better product than what we got. Even just a year, I think, would have been yeah. beneficial. What about you, Josh? Well, I mean, I don't know if time would have saved it. It's still the story is what it is. Um, I, well, yeah, I agree that there are a lot of various zigzagging um, ideas that they try to tackle at once. But I do also agree with you, David, that a, a significant portion of it is way more dense than it really should be. Because such a huge part of it is about Neo discovering mm. not only is he reached like the pinnacle of his powers within the Matrix, but he's also learning that it's it was all part of the plan or whatever. Yeah. He's he's not special and being the one doesn't actually mean anything. 
Yeah, it's and, confusing at times too. And he's constantly told, and there are several several conversations about the illusion of choice and how there is no like free will or whatever. And those are the parts that I thought got bogged down by too much. It's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It's like I get, I get it. I don't need another character to tell me that there's no free will in the matrix. No, I get it. Between the Oracle and the Architect, these characters just talk in like pseudo intellectual circles, where they're just like saying the same thing, but also not really saying anything. So that like, if you, you know, if you watch it the second time, you can go. Oh, maybe that's what they meant. Maybe that's what they were trying to say. And, and it's not that the movie is necessarily too smart. Like I understood everything they were trying yeah. to say. I just don't think that it tells this. I don't. I don't feel like it. It. I feel like the characters that are trying to give you that bigger explanation of like there, you know, free will is an illusion that the, that we've created, and you're actually a program, Neo. You're not actually, you know, like the one or anything like that. I feel like the way that they had these characters deliver those concepts does more to obscure the plot than it does actually, yeah. you know, advance it. Yeah. Let alone, let's not even talk about the French guy, the, oh. the, the Merovingian. Right, 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 right. I understand that, that he has a, I understand that he gets explored a little bit more in the Animatrix or whatever. I, 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 I literally could not even pretend to know what was going on as no, he was talking. That he just part was so I lost bad. him. I lost, I lost, I lost it so bad. He was bad. That whole scene was bad. They, what did it for me? And this is just picking a plot apart, but they had what, five, six guys all shoot guns at Neo. And then he's like, nah, bro. And he stops him. And then, and the bullets fall. And then the French guy's like, kill him. And then they go to one-on-one combat. Homeboy just stopped like a hundred bullets with his brain. And you think that you can go in there with one-on-one combat and beat him. If you did, if you didn't kill him with the guns, you're not going to kill him now. It makes and then at one... the end, he seems surprised that they didn't win. He it... stopped bullets with his brain. No, it... he done, you done lost immediately. It baffles me that Neo bothers with hand-to-hand combat. If you can stop bullets, which are infinitely faster than people, why are you even bothering with the fighting? You could just like stop them all and push them away. You know? It, it's it it Neo's exact powers are kind of ambiguous at times. I figured out. You guys remember last week? I you know I said that there was something missing in the Matrix, the first one that kept it from being five stars for me. Yeah, I think I figured out what it is. That's I would it. have liked to have seen more of this stuff with Neo, where he's like doing more of the one stuff, mm-hmm. because that movie he becomes the one. Like he he stops the bullets, he gets inside a guy, he answers the phone they escape and win. Like you don't really get the full breadth and like the movie ends with him flying into the sky. Like, so you're like, Whoa, but like you don't really get a full sense of what exactly the one means other than he stopped bullets one time. Like what else can he do? Can we get some more action with him now at his, you know, now that he's reached his potential. So the movie, the movie just kind of like leaves that a, like a, a mystery. And we finally get the answer here where we get to see him challenged by in several different ways, whether it's, you know, having to, to fly 500 miles in like eight minutes or fight like a ton of clones or fight eight guys with weapons. Like this stuff was all cool. I wish that they had put that, the you know, some of that stuff in the original Matrix. But here we get like a, like a 30 minute fight scene that's like this fight combined with the, the highway chase. And so like by the end of that, I was exhausted. 
And I, I looked up, there were still 37 minutes left in the movie after the highway chase. And I was like, oh, goodness. I never cared about a single thing happening in this movie. <laughs> Not a thing. They didn't do a good job of setting anything up. It was chaos. It was clustered. And I didn't give a shit about anything that was happening. Not a single shit. I, I, did, I wrote down 15 minutes into the movie that I didn't care. And I wrote down an hour into the movie I didn't care. And at the end of the movie, I certainly didn't care. I was <laughs> just blow up the matrix, blow them all up in humanity and in this series right now. Right. It's a little, it's a little interesting too, because I don't, I don't, first for me, I understand where you come from here. I don't feel like it's necessarily bad or necessarily even a bad sequel. It just doesn't really, it, it this is what I talk about when I say these movies didn't engage me as a kid. Cause I watched this one when I was probably like 13, 15 years old. And I was just kind of like, ah, I don't get, I don't get the appeal. I don't get the appeal. I don't know what appeals to at this, after this movie, I don't know what would appeal to anybody about the matrix. It just seems kind of, it, it seems like it's dull, but sometimes it has action scenes. What I would have done is separate. There's too, there's too much going on in this movie. Separate it. Um, you, you, have, you have three total movies. I don't, I've never seen the third one. It's been a Me very either. long time since I've seen this one. Me um, But there are too many plot points that could have been taken into a different movie. So you have this one where you could either focus on the Sentinels coming to Zion, and that is the main mission. They have to take things out of the Matrix and into real life. But I think I would have saved that for the third one. And had this one be more focused on Agent Smith being able to, he's free now. He is able to set this copy. And so now he wants to end not only humanity, but the machines. And so somehow Neo and the machines have to work together to stop Agent Smith. Kind of like the friend of my friend is my enemy or the friend of my enemy is my friend or something like that, where they have to work together. And then at the end of this movie, Neo still finds out that being the one isn't special and that because of the thing, or, or maybe this particular scenario makes him more special and now the machines are concerned and their solution is to wipe things out and start over again. And so the third movie focuses on, okay, they've, they've taken care of Agent Smith in The Matrix come back to real life because now there is this real threat coming from these machines and they have to now save real life. Yeah. I think that is a better progression. I don't know what the third one is. Maybe yeah, I don't know like that, but like there's just too much going on that didn't get a focus and they tried to put it all together into one. Whereas if you, you focus on agent Smith, that would have been a better focus. And yeah, because you could have had a more is saving humanity as a whole, because that's what you've been trying to do this whole time. So you've taken care of the matrix in the second one. Now you have to save humanity in the last one. Yeah, you get a more centralized villain too, with Smith kind of being a, a rogue element. Well, Andrew, what do you think? No, I, I think it was. I really, honestly, think that this movie was just way too jumbled and I thought it was very underwritten mm. and it could have been, I felt like the writing, the writing and the direction both could have been way better. And really, really what I take away from this is that really what I take away from this is that other than 
like some cool some cool scenes. Like I I, I love the highway chase. Like that that is I, I love the highway chase a lot. But that's it. Like that's the only thing that's the only thing about this entire movie that I really like. Yeah. And I can't say that I like anything else because the the weird the weird dance orgy scene that's in the beginning. <laughs> it's not really yeah, it's yeah, it's a weird dance scene and it's intercut with Trinity and Neo uh, you know finally getting it on. Doing you know, getting into the matrix the other way. I yeah. hated every moment of that. It it just like like all of that is just like it, it was just like why? And I, I'm happy that we saw a glimpse of Zion. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that we saw like here's what I'll say is that for I ha- I have a hard time feeling I have a hard time thinking like the technology down there in Zion was not as advanced as the technology in the Matrix because like whenever they were one thing I was I was thinking of was like whenever they were docking you know they had that there was that room that was like completely white and you see yeah. people like. Uh, it was like uh, super futuristic, yeah. It was like very super futuristic. I'm like, man, I thought these people were supposed to be underground. Super futuristic, expialidocious. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then all of a sudden, don't reward that. <laughs> <laughs> don't reward that. I gave it a small smile. But like, uh, but like, as soon as they, as soon as Morpheus, uh, like, starts talking to all the people in Zion. He's literally yelling, and I'm like, "There's a huge, huge contrast here in terms of like, of like how they progress." And I'm trying to figure it out. And um, I think that the it, it's hard for me to like, it's hard for me to for it's hard for me to convey just like what I really feel about this movie because mm-hmm. in the beginning I really liked it. Now I don't. It's not. Yeah. It's not one of my favorite movies. So at what point do you decide you don't like it anymore? I think really when I think really when like you know as I was watching it as I was watching it and I was like trying to appreciate it at least a little bit I'm like this I can't do it anymore. It just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. And yeah. it feels it feels feel right. <laughs> yeah. I I I kind of agree with what you're saying in a sense of how that first one is regarded and what it did the impressive decline from that first one to this it doesn't feel right like i i feel wrong having watched it like i don't know it is a impressive misstep yeah i tried not to prejudge the film too much because all i i only have vague memories from when i watched it as a very as a young teen, basically the only thing I remember is that part where the agent jumps on the car and like smashes it. Um, but going, but into going into this one, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say they don't like it. You know, I've, I've heard that's the general the general view. I was like, well, I, I'm going to try to do my best, to keep an open mind here, because I don't want to just assume it's bad. And then once it meets my expectation, I'll just be like, okay, perfect. I don't have to really go with this anymore. So I really tried to give it my best, like really, you know listen and understand and, and, and pay attention and not like let myself get too carried away. But by the end I was just sitting there like I was just going, I was just thinking, man, I can't imagine the third one gets more hate than this one. I can't imagine how, what exactly that's going to look like. Cause this one was at times, was at times a little boring. 
at times, like, like I said, early on, it felt like it had that same level of cool, but it very quickly declines. Well, and just to, just to kind of piggyback off that a little bit. The other thing is, is that like, you, like it, it ties it up just a little bit more. If you do play that game, if you yeah. do play enter the matrix, because enter the matrix does have elements. It's just like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I wish I would have known that. And had they, I, I think it was just a weird tie in that they had at the time. And I don't think it worked really well. No, um, because apparently like, like the French guys, part of the French guys, uh, were vampires. Yeah. Vampires. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were the was, ones that like went ghostly and I don't, yeah, know, that I don't was, care enough. To, I don't That care. was something that they introduced in this and I can't remember which character introduces it. No, it was Oracle. She yeah. said that there were, there have been programs in the past that are in the matrix that have gone rogue. Yeah. And like every, so like, you know, the Matrix is the real world as you and as we know it. So, like all the legends and things we've heard about, like all the myths and things we heard about vampires, werewolves, angels, uh, things like that that you hear about in our world, like those are rogue uh, uh, programs that yeah. have managed to escape deletion. And that's like he and this guy, this French guy, he protects them and he can like manipulate the Matrix. That's why he gives some chick uh, uh, an extra. Uh, what's the right word here? Whatever that was. Like a, a, an extra special piece of cake. Um, also stupid. It was very, it, 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 it's very interesting, but again, it's another thing that doesn't, like Garrett said, doesn't go explored to the point that it, it probably could be. Like that could be a whole movie within itself. Just that concept of like, you know, where do all these myths come from? Well, they, they, all, kind of st- they all stem from a similar background. I don't know. Gotcha. I like this movie also. The, my favorite part of this movie was the Ghostbusters element where they <laughs> were just chasing down on the key master for half the time. So I was cool with that because I know it was key maker. Key but every time yeah. I heard it, all I thought was, I'm the game master. Are you the gatekeeper? <laughs> That's all I thought. And I thought, hey, now I'm entertained. All I thought was, uh, I kept thinking about, I think it's Scream 3, or not Scream 3, uh, Scary Movie 3, or it might be Scary Movie 4, whichever one it is. They make They make heavy reference to this particular movie. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I think it's I think it's three. Yeah, I think it is. They have like the architect, the oracle, the whole thing. Um, can I can I voice a, a weird nitpick? I don't know if this is a uh, I don't know if this is an if this is a complaint. Anybody's I've ever, I've never seen this complaint about the Matrix. Is it weird to you guys? So the thing about the Matrix is when you go in, everybody looks like you know like scruffy you know, ragtag people on in, in the real world. But when you go into the Matrix, you look like your self-perception wants you to look, right? So like Neo, he's all dressed, you know, decked out in the black and the, and the sweet shades and the, cool, and the cool haircut, all that, right? Is it weird to anybody else that everybody has virtually the same self-perception? Because they're all wearing the exact same style. Like, super slick black suits, glasses, shades, you know, expensive clothes. Like the only person who's kind of kind of doing it different is Niobe because her stuff is red. Like everybody looks the exact same. So like who who's the originator of this particular style of self-perception? You know, really over there looking like Catwoman. I think for a brief moment in the first Matrix Neo's wearing like clothes that he like he would wear like he normally would have worn like he's wearing like a t-shirt and like a, a, a small jacket and jeans from then on everybody is like 
super leathered up, yeah. shades, slick back yeah, hair. I like nobody, look, nobody's self-perception's a cowboy? The look in this movie was not as good <laughs> as it was in the first. Even Neo, I thought, looked a little over the top compared to the first movie. Like they you all know, shopped at Hot Topic. You would have been a cowboy. Oh, yeah, my self-perception would have been like a hipster cowboy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hmm, that's a good question. Because it doesn't matter. My first, my, like, my first thought went to, well, then you, like, the way they dress now, they stand out. But they don't because the only people who know who they are already know no matter what they look like. Yeah. So they don't stand out because they are already known. So they don't get recognized. Not? They don't get recognized till they do something that directly affects the matrix, like trying to break something right, or right. destroy something, or they start shooting guns. Then all of a sudden, the agents catch on. But they otherwise, all they just look cool. Look all the same, right? They all look, but everybody has the same definition. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't have like much. Uh, they don't have much to go off of. They Apparently came from not. A, they came from a tube. So I want to know who originated it. Did like you know. Morpheus was like, I don't the first know. One yeah, and he was would, like, yeah. all that. And they're like, oh, well, is y'all dressed like Morpheus? Maybe. Well, we also, I do like that we learn in this one that um, not everybody believes in Morpheus, Morpheus's prophecy. I like that too. Uh, I like that element um, because it adds to more of the real world. That is the only thing that, in my opinion, carries over from the themes and the writing of the first one to this one. Yeah. Um, it's very religious heavy. Like they're like very religious undertones in the first one. And it's, and, and it's a story that people can recognize and they take that and expand on it in this one where we're all led to believe after the first one, that this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. But then that everybody's looking for this, this. one mm-hmm. and it's like, no, people don't believe that just the same way people don't believe the same things as everybody else in real life. So I, I did like that element. Um, but it wasn't enough to make anything else better. I mean, it was just that one piece that I felt like, okay, this, this ties in well, this makes sense as a carryover and they're expanding on this one piece of the story and left everything else behind. Yeah. I mean, Morpheus is our leading authority in the first movie. Like, you know, as far as you know, he's the leader of the entire underground rebellion and this movie kind of, you know, presents, you know, if you can, if his if his view is considered somewhat religious, he's, he's presented with sort of the the uh, uh, you know uh, secular political viewpoint of like, look, we don't we can't afford to believe in some magic one who can control the matrix. We have real you know physical problems that are in front of us, and we got to fight that. Yeah. So it's very, um, it, it it is interesting. Last week on the matrix we talked a little bit about some of the um alternate casting that could have happened and i didn't see a lot for this one in my usual places but i did see one well i saw two of somewhat interest on the imdb trivia section which i always take with a bit of a grain of salt because i never yeah. really know where that stuff comes from sometimes so the that's, trivia is very very rote on that yeah that Does said one of them have to do with the architect one of them does have hey. to do with the architect. Okay. Sorry. Um, that Sean Connery was offered the role of the architect and he turned it down because he couldn't understand what the movie was about. Yeah, yeah. Which, he Will Smithed it. No, I can understand what the movie was about. I just don't think it was done well, but I fully understand it. Right. Well, he he, I mean, it. But in his case, he turned down 
a good movie to turn down. Yeah. Will Smith did not. Sean Connery probably didn't read. Probably didn't John Connery one, in though. 2003 needed this movie more than that movie needed him. Was he retired True. by this point? I, I don't I think, think he was quite yet. Would this be a come out of retirement movie for him? I don't know. Because remember. he hadn't done The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yet, had he? I don't know. I, I can't remember when that movie came out compared to this one. That was like his last major movie, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. that was the one he retired on. So this says that he apparently explained that in an interview on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen DVD. So there's a source for that one. And then uh, the other one, the role of Seraph was originally written for Jet Li. Hmm. But Jet Li asked for the same amount of money as Keanu Reeves, which seems dumb. Yeah. You're not the star of the movie. Right. Yeah. I don't know so if they, he has a bigger role in the third one or not. So they said no. And then the role was changed to a woman and offered to Michelle Yo. Is that how oh, you pronounce her okay. name? Yeah, I think so. Y E H O? Yeah. She's a uh, very good. Yeah, she got a big list of. She's in uh, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah. Crouching yeah. Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but she thing. had she ended up having to drop out because of scheduling conflicts. So then back to a guy. Um, I liked that in a letterbox review, someone wrote, Seraph is a lo- Seraph, Seraph is the password trying to figure out you're not a robot. <laughs> <laughs> with, click all the pictures with traffic signs. <laughs> All right, I think that uh, we've kind of exhausted all we can really say about The Matrix Reloaded without just continuing to trash it, <laughs> which right. is, uh, you know, fun, but how, how long are people going to really watch that? Yeah. yeah. Probably not very long. Let us know what you thought in the comments. Yeah, please do. Um, if you're on YouTube, like this video. <coughs> Liking this video doesn't mean you like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it means you Thank like you our like video. Us. So, you mean, yeah, it means you like us, and we like that you like us. So like us and subscribe. Yay. That's right. And then Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, find us on there. Okay. With that, we will transition into talking about the box office history of that movie, which is, I believe, fairly significant. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's made quite a lot of money and held some records for a it's while. It's pretty good. This was a highly anticipated movie. A lot of people oh, compare yeah. it to... Uh, which is kind of funny on, on, on far less of a time period wait, but a lot of people compare this movie to The Phantom Menace for multiple reasons. Um, the Matrix know. debuted uh, the weekend of May 16th, way back in 2003. Finished with a one day, it finished number one with a three day total of $91.7 million. Now that's a big opening at the time. That's a huge. It was the highest opening weekend uh, of 2003. It was the fifth highest opening. It's still currently the fifth highest opening for an R-rated film. And for a year, it was the number two highest opening of all time behind Spider-Man. Uh, it, would be, it would be knocked down by Prisoner of Azkaban the next year. But for a while, this was the second highest opening weekend ever. Um, if you look into what else came out that weekend, it's um, <laughs> not a ton of competition. And it's kind of funny because uh, one of these movies, uh, the director just tweeted, hey, 17 years since, this, since my, my movie came out. And I was like, oh, man, I just read about it. Thanks to box office stats. Uh, Matrix Reload is number one with $91.7 million. At number two, it's my first date movie, Daddy Daycare at number 18. Or, you know, excuse <laughs> me, number two came in with $18.8 million. Took a girl to that movie when I was 13. Uh, well, to number, Daddy Daycare? To Daddy Daycare. It was an Eddie I mean, Murphy movie. I saw Daddy yeah. Daycare um, as part of a friend's birthday party in middle school. 
That sounds that that that's about that's about how it was for for me. He <laughs> wanted well. to take every all his friends to daddy daycare. That's what we you did. know. So uh, number three, you had uh, X Men Two, X Two X Men United was bringing in seventeen million in its third week. At number four, you had Down with Love. This is the movie I was talking about, directed by Peyton Reed, starring oh. Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. And uh, then at number five, here's a here's a flat blast from the past: the Lizzie McGuire movie. Brought in four point seven million dollars in its third weekend. I totally forgot there was a movie. Yeah, the Lizzie McGuire movie. It was a Prince and the Popper situation, if I recall I, correctly. I don't know that I ever saw the Lizzie McGuire movie. I really liked the show, but I don't think I saw the movie. I don't remember watching it uh, in theaters. I remember seeing it playing in the background of a t- t- on TV one time. Time to check Disney+. Plus. Uh, so it's probably, it might be on there. So two wow. sequels in the box office that weekend. You had Matrix, and then you had, uh, uh, what was the other one? X-Men 2. Um, Matrix Reloaded would finish with $281 million in the United States. So still a big haul, even with the mixed reviews over its, uh, over its run. You had $450 million from overseas, making its worldwide total $739.4 million bucks. So big, big movie, Matrix Reloaded. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, how the critical reception, though, I think definitely impacted the, uh, the, the final four, the third film, because it's quite a drop, and we'll get into that next time. Um, if we look at 2003, we were just here recently. The number one movie of 2003, as you guys may remember, was? The Matrix Reloaded? No, that's right. Lord of the Rings. Something. It was Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Return of the King was the number one movie of 2003. Number two, Finding Nemo. Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Pearl at number three. Four, Matrix Reloaded. And at number five, Bruce Almighty. Some other big movies that year, like we talked about, X-Men 2, Elf. Uh, Terminator 3 came out that year. Uh, Bad Boys 2. That's, uh, that's, that's significant now. A top five uh, is an eclectic lineup. Yeah. And uh, all over the place. And then uh, what else is on here? Spy Kids 3. Um, hey! So, <laughs> you know, I kind of want to revisit those. Danny oh, yeah. Trejo. It's going to be fun. Danny Trejo. <laughs> it's going to be fun when we get to that. <laughs> Did y'all see that SNL sketch this weekend? No, I didn't. Is there a uh, Danny Trejo sketch? There's, this a, there's, a music, Pete, there's a Pete Davidson music video where all he, he raps about Danny Trejo. <laughs> it's exclusively about is Danny Trejo. Is it kind of like the Stanley Tucci one? Kind so, of. Didn't he do a, a, a yeah. rap he did about that? Yeah, Tucci, Tucci Gang. Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, that's it. No, it's about how he wants to be like Danny Trejo because Danny Trejo is everywhere. Yeah, He's in everything. I'm in everything, Danny Trejo. So, yeah, compared to uh, – so to wrap it up, compared to the first Matrix, it's a big step forward. Uh, movie made a ton of money. It finished number four for 2003. And a little later in that year, we have <clears> uh, the Matrix Revolutions. So we'll talk about that next week. But – and I wrote it down this week. I wrote it down last time. Uh, I won the letterbox game. We don't have a jingle yet, but it's the letterbox Somebody game. Somebody wrote it down. Go to, we're going to go to letterbox.com or our app, and we're going to check out what the score is from the, from the movie fan community for The Matrix Reloaded. Now, this score can go anywhere from uh, 1 to 5, and you know digits in between 4.7, 3.5, 2.2. Who knows? We'll see where it is. Uh, so uh, let's start with Josh. What do you think it is? Okay. My guess for this movie, I'm gonna go 
a little bit higher than my instinct tells me because like I said earlier, it's my understanding that people do like this one more than the third one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I can't quite recall what the first one made. It was in the, the high threes though. The first one was a 4.1. Oh, 4.1. Matrix well, was 4.1. It, it ain't that high. I'm going to guess. And I'm going to guess an even 3.0. Even three from Josh. Let's go to Garrett. I also am going to go higher than myself um, because I think that this movie still has some kind of love somehow. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to even out, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about this all day. I've been thinking about the scores and I've been thinking about my score because it's really bugging me. But I think that for this movie on Letterboxd, I'm going to go with a 3.3. 3.3 from Garrett. So, Andrew, what is your score? Guess. I, I was thinking 3.3. Mm. It's too high. <laughs> Just saying it hurts my soul a little bit. Oh, you're not wrong. Uh, so, I, what? Uh, I'm nothing. Just nothing. Okay. What was your guess? I don't want to give this. I don't want to give this movie the benefit of the doubt. I want to say three point two. Six solid six. Three point two from Andrew. Yeah. Three point two from Andrew. Three point oh from Josh. Three point three. Three from Garrett. Um, let me scroll down here and the winner with the exact right score is Andrew. Oh, oh. 3.2. Exactly. Uh, this movie has been reviewed, has been, uh, uh re- has been reviewed by 4.3 thousand people. It's on 4,000 lists. It's a uh, pretty popular. So, uh, I'm going to read some of the high, I'm going to read some of the reviews with the most likes, not all of them, just some of them. Uh, the highest rated review is there's literally more to discover every time. That's a five star review. Uh, Ooh, five star review. Here's a, here's oh, a two and a half. No, and then no, there's no, a two no. and a half star review. One of the most frustrating movies ever made. That's from a guy named Patrick. Uh, where, uh, where I'm probably going to fall in general is uh, right here. Keanu Reeves, you're breathtaking. That's a three and a half star review. <laughs> I can never fault Keanu. No. No, we didn't really talk about the acting much, but I don't think there's that much to say. There's not. Well, um, that's it for Letterboxd game. What do we review it? Or what do we give it in terms of stars? Two. A two from Josh. I've been doing a two all day until this moment. Because this movie, I was, and two was generous. I was being generous because I was like, you know, the first one carries over enough to where I'll give it a boost and just say that it's disappointing. But it, this, no, it's one and a half. And that's still being generous. Wow. Because if this is a one and a half and people like it more than three, I, I don't believe that it's going to be good for that one for me. So a generous one and a half. So a two and a half from Josh, a one and a half from, Andrew, from Garrett. I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a 
I heard a th- I'm going to give it a three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to give it a three because, and solely because yeah. there are a lot of, there are, there are a handful of things that I do like. <laughs> there are a handful. I've run, I've run Garrett out of town. There are a handful of things that I do like. I, I do like they I do like a lot of the action sequences. I think that the, the visual effects are a little too ambitious for the time, but I think that it was cool that they went for it. And uh, I do like what we do get from agent Smith and stuff. Um, the action pretty much holds it over. Not much else really does. Um, I think that it's still visually at times very nice, but man, you know what? I'm going to lower it to a two and a half. Actually. I just realized that like by my own, by my, I'm looking at my rating system, by my own rating system, I feel like it's more okay than it is good. And that's the difference. The half star raises it from okay to good. And I feel like it's more okay. So okay. there you go. Two and a half. Andrew, I would give it, I would give it two and a half. There you go. And that's that's fine with me. So what's that make our aggregate that, score? You, that you makes it a two, Josh? Our aggregate, yeah, our aggregate score is 2.12. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to give it a solid two on Letterboxd. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to have to work, unfortunately. Okay. So you can find us on Letterboxd uh, under So Many Sequels Pod. Follow us there. We um, always rank <laughs> our movies, at least we have for this season. And you can find a link to that movie's episode in the review. So that's a good way to keep track of what we're watching if you're not already a regular subscriber. Though I wish you would be by hitting that subscribe, by smashing that subscribe button Smash on, it. Uh, on YouTube or following us in your favorite podcasting app. Smash Bros. Super Smash Bros. Yeah. Smash it Is- an odd number of times, you know? <laughs> yes. Make Is sure that, you stop on the last that's one pretty where, much, where there's a like. That's pretty much that. So uh, that was The yeah. Matrix Reloaded. We will be back next time with The Matrix Revolutions. And, you know, I know we haven't – I'm just going to talk out loud right now. I know we haven't fully committed as a team to reviewing the Animatrix yet. But if we do – we that would um, completely wrap up Matrix May perfectly. It would, it would, would be four, 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 four weeks. Yeah. So just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah, and I'll think, I, I'm thinking about it. I uh, since we're not really using Rotten Tomatoes anymore, I I saw those scores on the Wikipedia entry for the franchise that compares them, and the Animatrix has the highest score of the whole franchise. Wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen that uh, it was uh, highly re- that people uh, really liked the Animatrix. A, a, a few points higher than the original film, so that's great. Yeah. I have I have high hopes that it will be good because it's a series okay. of short animate animated video animated. Uh, yeah, it's anima- like a short yeah. it's yeah. short films that you know put together equal like one feature. Yeah, ain't that just so, how it goes? Ain't that how it goes? Star Wars, Wars same way. So. We'll definitely be back next time with Matrix Revolutions, and we may even throw in the Animatrix sometime in the future. We'll see. But and the Matrix then, Four someday, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I hope so. Whenever it comes out, so you can find us online at all the places I've already mentioned twice in the show: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and Letterboxd. Subscribe right. on YouTube. Follow us in your favorite podcasting app, and of course, Patreon.com/slash So Many Sequels Pod. Is there a pod at the end of that one? Yes. One of these days, I will get all this down. Yeah, you can just uh, Google so many, se- so many sequels pod and it should come up. Yeah. 
um, support us there if you can. And if you can't, that's fine. We get it. It's tough times. Yeah. But that's it. Until next time. Does Andrew have a thing to say? No, there's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> glitch in the matrix. Well, I knew that if I stopped recording, he would start saying it. <laughs> <laughs>